With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, September the 29th, 2023. It is currently 6.16 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. It's Friday evening. Friday night is here. The weekend is here. And we all know everyone is working for the weekend. Okay, yes, making a lyric reference to an old song. Okay, but all right, I'll try not to do that. But there is a little bit of truth to that, right? People work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then it's Friday evening. It's the weekend and they have all of these plans and things they want to do. They want to relax or maybe there's just, who knows, they, they want to have some fun on the weekend. They want to experience some level of satisfaction for the weekend. In fact, they they want to experience some level of satisfaction in their job. They want to experience some level of satisfaction in their relationships. They want to experience some level of satisfaction in their hobbies. They want to experience some level of satisfaction in their life goals. They want to experience some level of satisfaction Maybe physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. They're, they're, they're everyone, if you think about it, so much of life is working towards and moving towards some level of satisfaction. In fact, if we look up the definition for the word satisfaction, we would read these definitions. All right, Here, here's or at least just one. Fulfillment of one's wishes, expectations of needs, or the pleasure derived from this. All right, so let let me read that to you again. The definition of satisfaction, fulfillment of one's wishes, expectations, or needs, or or the pleasure derived from this. One more time. Fulfillment of one's wishes, expectations, or needs, or the pleasure derived from this. And this is very important. Contentment is a word that very much is connected with satisfaction, because contentment is a state of being where one is satisfied with their current situation and the state of affairs in one's life as they presently are. So what level of satisfaction are you currently experiencing in your life? How content are you in your life? How much satisfaction do you feel you are currently experiencing? 
Now, no matter what you do this weekend, some some will find f- a great satisfaction, maybe Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, but then Monday when they get back in their car to go to work, that it was a temporary satisfaction. Now they they're, now they're back doing and involved in things. Maybe they're not gonna. They don't find any satisfaction in. Is there certain areas of life where there's satisfaction? How much satisfaction is in your life? I really want you to give that serious thought about satisfaction. But now here's the ultimate question, right? All of that was to get to the real question, the, the million dollar question, right? The, the double jeopardy question. This, this is what all everything is leading to is this right here. Are you ready? As a Christian, not as a lost person. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who believes the Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God, who believes Jesus Christ died for their sins, they put their faith in him. As someone who has believed in Christ and is a Christian, what is the level of satisfaction that should be experienced by a Christian? And if there is some, and if they are not experiencing that level of satisfaction, why? What is the normal expectation of satisfaction for a Christian? Is it different than for a non-Christian? As a Christian, should you be more satisfied with life than your neighbor who isn't a Christian? Should you have a greater level of satisfaction? Now you may say, well, satisfaction in this area, but not in this area. Does, does your Christianity impact every area of your life when it comes to satisfaction? Should you be the most content, the most satisfied person you know? No discontentment, perfectly satisfied. There's a happiness, there's a joy, there's a contentment, there's a peace. There, there's just like, you're like, hey, things are wonderful. Things are great. What, what, what do you think the answer is? Now, I would love to get your thoughts. You could probably write out your own philosophy on this. And I think, I, I think personally, personally, this is the way I feel Christianity has kind of approached this situation. Christianity has kind of approached this situation, especially in churches that really emphasize people giving their testimony. It really kind of goes like this. Before I was a Christian, there was no contentment. There was no peace. There was no satisfaction. There was a longing. There was a desire that could never be fulfilled. There was a hunger. There was a thirst. And then I came to Jesus. And then now there is perfect peace. There is joy. There is contentment. I am perfectly fulfilled and I lack nothing. And everybody in, in the congregation will like, amen, praise God. That's so good. Oh, that's so good, brother. That's so good, sister. That's the truth. Now everyone will say that sitting in the pew, but when they get in their car, when they drive home, are they really that satisfied? Are they really all the longing is gone? Now there's nothing but, con- is there, are they really that content, that satisfied, that much joy? I know what we put forth. I know how we sell Christianity. I always say there's the Christianity we sell like an info commercial. Then there's the Christianity that we pretend to experience. And then there's the reality. The Christianity that people are really living a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Not, not the Christianity they pretend to be living while they're sitting in the pew. But the real Christianity. Come on, when you pull back the curtain, do you see a bunch of people going, don't need anything else? I'm perfectly content and satisfied and happy and everything is wonderful in my life. What should be the expectation? Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is in front of me on my long white table here with books everywhere 
Oh, I do have pencils. Oh, and I have a pencil sharpener. Look at that. Pencils and a pencil sharpener. I'm, I'm satisfied. Life is complete. I don't need anything else. I got pencils and a pencil sharpener. Oh, and I have a notebook. Oh, and I have Bibles. That That's it. I don't need anything else. My life is complete. I don't, well, I do need food and, well, I do need my stereo equipment. Oh, wait, I do need my television. Oh, wait, I do need, I need, I do need some food. Oh, wait, I do need something to drink. Oh, wait, I do, I do need an air conditioner. Oh, I do need a heater. Okay. All right. Well, well. It's like, it's always easy to say we don't need anything else. And then we start realizing how much we actually do need. Even though we say, I don't need that. I want that. But when you don't have your want, then do you have status? Okay, well, we we could go all day. But the reason I bring all of this up is sitting here on this table, on top of one of my Bibles, next to my pencil sharpener and my pencils, is a uh, the feature, a daily Bible study guide, Right. Uh, from the Fundamental Evangelistic Association. I tell everyone to subscribe to this and get this. It comes every quarter. A feature, a daily Bible study guide. And I've been just working through these devotions each day. This is for October. It's it's the October to December issue of the Bible study guide. And I got, I, you know, they always send it out, obviously, before the uh, beginning of the month. And I've just been working through it. You've heard a lot of uh, kind of devotional messages that are based off this. So I was sitting here and I looked down and... For October the 10th, that's where I am um, in, working through this. It's entitled The Water of Life. And I'm like, okay, I know The Water of Life. I bet you I know that's on John chapter 4, right? Okay, so I picked up a Bible, started reading John chapter 4. You know these words. John chapter 4, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself Baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. How many sermons have been preached on those words? And he must needs go through Samaria. I mean, there's been countless sermons preached on that, okay? So obviously I was like, well, the devotional could do do with that. And I think a little bit they kind of they kind of I don't think most pastors can get past that verse without doing something with it. And then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near uh, to, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And typically in a sermon, you'd get a lot of discussion, maybe about Jacob's well, the significance of Jacob's well. If you go really allegorical, okay, what is the significance of Jacob's well? Jesus, and think I think the text actually says, um, let's see here. Okay, and Jesus sat thus on the well. Jesus is literally sitting on the well. So what's the significance of the well? Some say there will be some allegorical uh, you know, issues. There's some, some typology, some picture there. Jesus is sitting on the well. Is there any significance there? It's the sixth hour, all right? So there's, there's a lot that you could possibly draw maybe some spiritual pictures that a lot of people would. We could get into a hermeneutical argument whether that's right or wrong, all right? Then a lot of sermons would focus on the fact that the, of the conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews and what the issue was, but it says they have no dealings, all right? We could deal with all of that. Then verse 10, 
Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Hey, if you really knew who I was, if you really knew, you would be asking me for living water, seemingly to draw a contrast that the water in the well is not living, but he can give living water. He's contrasting the water in the well with the water that he can offer. Then the woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, for whence then hast thou that living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. See, whoever drinks that water in that well, whatever satisfaction they get, it's going to be temporarily. It's going to be a temporary satisfaction. It's only going to last in a temporary way. It's not going to be uh, permanent, right? It's not a permanent satisfaction. It's a temporary satisfaction. I think I think we can understand that you you drink the water. It's like some people will for the weekend find some satisfaction, but then Monday they're back to life. Whatever satisfaction you may have on Friday night by Saturday night, well that Friday night satisfaction is gone, and now you need Saturday night satisfaction. It's it's a temporary type of thing. It's temporal, all right. So he says you're going to thirst again. Now here's the key verse, verse fourteen, John four fourteen. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Please note, Jesus says, the water I give you, you will never thirst. Never thirsting again would be complete and total satisfaction, a permanent, not a temporal satisfaction, not temporary, but a permanent satisfaction. Now, what kind of satisfaction is that, ladies and gentlemen? What, what kind of satisfaction you as a Christian are supposed to have that's permanent? You'll never thirst again. And we know in other places, you will never hunger again. He's the bread of life. He that partakes of him will never hunger again, will never thirst again. There seems to be some kind of satisfaction that Jesus seems to promise, not here in John, not only in John 4, but in other places. What kind of satisfaction is that? Because if you and I as a Christian, we're like, okay, I want this living water. I drink of it. I'll never thirst again. Wonderful. Great. Okay. If I'm never thirsting again, what is that thirst I'm never experiencing again? What is it? What is it? Am I, in other words, if I have Jesus, I don't need anything else. I just need, I got my relationship with Jesus, so I will spend my life and I don't need anything else. I don't need, I don't have a need for anything else. Obviously it can't be, we know, I mean, put it this way. We know it can't be dealing with physical thirst because you're clearly going to thirst again. We know it can't be dealing with physical hunger because you know you're going to hunger again. Right? So we know those, it doesn't work. It cannot be speaking of physical comfort because if I put you in a place where it's 120 degrees, you're going to be not satisfied and you're going to have a need and a desire for something cooler, right? If I put you in, you know, 10 below zero, you're going to have a need and a desire for So obviously it can't be dealing with those kinds of physical realities. How about um, you don't need anyone? You don't need any kind of relationship at all. Nothing. You can live your life completely alone 
and it's you, Jesus, and the Bible, it's prayer, it's praise, it's study. You don't need, well, well no, you say, well, it's, it's not good that man lives alone. Well, see, well, it seems that, that people typically need some kind of relationship, some kind of community. In fact, we say that all the time as Christians. Christianity is not to be lived, uh, to lived al- alone. It has to be lived in community because we were made for community. Meaning that we need that. All right. So, so where is this never hunger and thirst again? What, what does it look like in a, t- look, it's easy to preach this and everybody's like, amen. I came to Jesus and now I don't hunger and now I don't thirst. And everybody says, amen. But what does that mean? <laughs> that sound that preaches so good. What does that mean on a Wednesday or a Thursday? Now, the devotional guide, they spend a lot of time talking about other things, but they do say this. I'm going to skip down. I'm going to skip down uh, to the second paragraph. All right. The Lord Jesus was physically exhausted from his travels. And he, and he easily could have used his weariness as an excuse for not speaking to this woman. But notice that when his disciples returned from their journey to the city to buy food, they discovered Christ was already refreshed. And though perhaps someone had given him something to eat, Jesus explained to them a valuable truth that is important for every believer today to understand. True satisfaction. Now listen to what they say. True satisfaction, both Physical and spiritual results from doing the work of the Lord. In fact, this gratification defies natural explanation. Now, this is interesting because they're saying the way we get the satisfaction is doing something. We have to do it. If we do the work, We get this satisfaction and it's physical and spiritual. And this gratification uh, defies natural explanation. Now, I've got all kinds of problems with this because first of all, let me read this text again. All right, John chapter four. I'm going to read the text one more time. Jesus answered and said, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. But they're saying, no, no, the way you get it is working. You got to work. You got to be doing the work of God. If you do the work of God, then you get physical, spiritual satisfaction. And this gratification defies natural explanation. That that, that all sounds good. And I bet you people who have this study guide will highlight those words. They may write them down in their journal and they may may post them on social media and people and other Christians will give it a thumbs up and say, amen, brother, amen, sister. That's really good. But I'm going to, I'm going to raise my hand and go, uh, come on now. Who are we fooling? Who are we fooling? First of all, you don't get physical satisfaction. I've already given you a, a number of examples. So we know that can't be it. And not only that, you just turn the text into not what God will do for you, but what you have to do in order to get it. So if we're going our law gospel distinction, this just turned a gospel-based passage into a law-based passage. You want gratification that defies natural explanation? Well, then you have to work. And if you work, you get the gratification. You get the satisfaction. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. 
Now, the only satisfaction that I, I can be dogmatic about is if I drink the living water, okay, Christ, Christ will give me the living water. That I think that's salvation, right? I think that living water has to be salvation, right? It's a metaphor for salvation. You can tell me if you disagree, but it has to be a metaphor. By coming to Christ, by, by accepting the water, the living water, then it's a it's an eternal satisfaction because now I am eternally saved. I'm saved from the condemnation of the law. I'm, I'm eternally satisfied spiritually. I don't need to work. I don't need to do anything. I don't have to strive for anything because everything is provided to, to me in Christ. He is my righteousness. He is my holiness. He is my obedience. He keeps the law for me. That's the satisfaction that I can, I, that's the only satisfaction I can say this pertains to, but we always preach it like, this is a satisfaction in there that Christians should just be content and satisfied. Now, Paul talked about learning to be content in whatsoever state he found himself, that he had to learn that. Now, how do you learn that, uh, that the, the secret of being content? Now, that's a whole different podcast. But when Jesus says, hey, 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 I can give you living water and you will never thirst again. He's contrasting this spiritual water with physical water. So I'm assuming he has to be contrasting spiritual satisfaction with physical. Physically, we're never truly going to be satisfied. Are you ever truly satisfied physically? Are you ever truly satisfied emotionally? Are you Now you can say, is spiritual satisfaction, would that also cover our emotional? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that there is a part of us. I, I, I'm going to make, I'm just going to make a hypothesis here because of our sinful nature, which still exists, even after we are saved, even though Christians want to pretend like it's not there, even though Christians quote, if anyone's in Christ, in Christ is a new creature, old things pass away, all things have become new. We know that's not true practically. That's true positionally. We know that that's just a reality because if everything is new, then there wouldn't be a sinful nature and we could be perfect. So we know we cannot. So I'm going to argue because of our sinful nature, which by its very essence is the exaltation of self, and it focuses on your own desires and your own needs and your own wants and your own wants, even at the expense of others. Look, it is easy for us in whatever situation we find ourselves. It can be, it can be friendship. It can be marriage. It can be anything. We have a tendency to focus on ourselves. We think about how, how do I feel? How do I feel? What do I need? What do I need? How do I feel? What? And we have a tendency to forget about anybody else, right? So, so it's very selfish. And because it's so selfish, because our sinful nature is so self-focused, I think then we constantly are in the need. We're constantly not satisfied. We're constantly not content. And whatever satisfaction we experience is temporal. It's temporary. It does not last very long. And then immediately the need is there because we're consumed with self, 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 self. That's why there's this whole idea that Christianity is about dying to self, denying self, which we never, ever quite pull off, but it's a constant battle. So I don't think becoming a Christian just immediately means, oh, now I'm content. Now everything is, I know we preach it that way. Hey, before salvation, oh, I was empty. I was lonely, had no purpose, no direction. I didn't have any. I came to Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, this evening, I don't need anything. I don't desire anything. I am content. And everybody's like, oh, praise God. That was a beautiful testimony. Thank you, brother. And then you leave and guess what? You demonstrate in some way, shape, or form. You're still not content with life. 
You're still not satisfied. You still struggle with frustrations. Why, get, what, what, why, why are you frustrated? Because we're almost, we're, our frustration always derives because something doesn't go our way. A certain need or desire is not being met. Then we experience frustration. We experience aggravation. We experience irritation. Typically our anger when we're fighting or arguing with someone is because our, our need, our desire, we're not satisfied. We're not content. Now, I, I, would, I want to believe that, hey, I come to Jesus, I drink of the living water, I, I, have, I partake in the, the bread of life, right? Um, is it John 6? I believe it's John 6. I know it's John 6. It's not, it's not I believe. I know it's John 6. I just don't know what your verse. Um, yeah, John chapter 6. Yeah, he says a lot about being the bread of life, all right? He, uh, he says a lot here about it. Um, he talks about, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. See, immediately right there puts it in a, in a, in a category, right? Hey, you see, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst. And if you eat of this bread, you'll never die. Both seems to speak of satisfaction, like a, a, a permanent satisfaction, not a temporal one. Right. Well, you know, you're going to die physically. So see, once again, it's dealing with the spiritual versus the physical. So you're never going to thirst. You know, you're still going to thirst physically. So it has to be a spiritual satisfaction. But that spiritual satisfaction has to be related to I am going to be spiritually satisfied and never thirst because I will never want for salvation again. I'll never have to work for it. I won't, I won't be burdened by the law because I'm, I'm free from the law. I, I'm perfect and in Christ. I, I don't, we'll never thirst for again. It has to be dealing with salvation. But I think we take it and try to expand it to, you should have never have any desires or longings or needs, but, you, but you're filled with them as a human being. Your flesh cries out for all kinds of things. Wouldn't it be great if you became a Christian and you're just like, that's it. I never, I don't, I don't need anything. I don't desire anything. Now we, we preach that big. We preach that game big, right? But I would just challenge you. If you think that's true, get rid of everything. Get rid of everything, everything, everything. And just spend your life just focused on the things of God, reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible, learning the Bible, studying the Bible, sharing the Bible, praying, praising just get rid of everything else. You don't need anything else. Now, you know, some people could not do that. If they lived that life, they would be miserable. They would be in a constant state of discontentment. They would feel lonely. They would get depressed. They would be, they, it would be a burden. It would be a miserable existence. No matter, no matter Christians want to say that, they, oh no, that would be, that would be wonderful. You say that th- three days in, five days in, you're going to want friends or companionship or this, and you're going to need this. and you, you know it and I know it. So why do we pretend otherwise? Let me read again from this study guide. I just so disagree. First of all, they say, well, the way we get this is by working. Let me, let me read it to this again, because this is just, to me, 
Crazy to me. So the Lord Jesus was physically exhausted from his travels, and he easily could have used his weariness as an excuse for not speaking to this woman. But notice that when his disciples returned from their journey uh, to the city to buy food, they discovered Christ was already refreshed and thought perhaps someone had given him something to eat. Jesus explained to them a valuable truth that uh, is important for every believer today to understand. True satisfaction, both physical and spiritual, results from doing the work of the Lord. In fact, this gratification defies natural explanation. Now, they do point to John 4, 31 through 34. Let's not, we won't uh, ignore this. We'll at least throw this into the conversation here. Right, John chapter four, remember the disciples went to buy food, verse 30, and they, John four thirty, and then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the mean, while his disciples prayed him saying, master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore say the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him ought to, uh, brought him ought to eat? Jesus said unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. So they're taking this at me and say, well, Jesus didn't need food. He didn't need food because he did. He was working. He was working at that well, doing the work of God. Therefore, he doesn't need food. Well, by that argument, none of us should need food. All Christians don't need to eat anymore. As long as we're out there doing the work of God, we don't need to eat. Clearly, Jesus was trying to teach a lesson. Right? The lesson is what, what, that what's most invaluable is, is focusing on the work of God and the things of God. You can't just say, well, if we do the work of God, then we have such a satisfaction that it meets all of our physical needs and it defies. It's a gratification that defies natural explanation. It just, that doesn't, Christian, give me a break. Christians can't do anything without food. <laughs> We're going to get together at the church. There's got to be food. We're going to have small groups. There's got to be food. We're going to have a youth event. There's got to be food. It's got to be, it's always food, 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 food. Churches will cancel the preaching of God's word for an event with food in 3.2 seconds. Boom. That's why Paul, remember in the Corinthian church, they added to the Lord's Supper, the, what some refer to as the agape feast, the love feast. And Paul had to tell them at Corinthians, hey, you've got houses to eat in. Go home and eat. You come to church to worship. You come to church for the word of God. You come to church to partake of the Lord's table, not to stuff your face with physical food to satisfy your physical hunger. I just, I have a hard time believing the, the, the way we present that Christianity will take care of all of our longings and needs and desires. I think what Christianity presents to us as a challenge, you still have these desires. You still have these needs. You still have these wants. And at times it's going to make you very unsatisfied and you're going to experience great periods of discontentment over and over and over and over again. The Bible says what we have to strive for is to die to self and deny self. Die to self and deny self. Because by dying to self and denying self, then we can hopefully learn some level of contentment. Not contentment in f having the need met, but contentment in following Christ. But that's something that is never going to be fully mastered or fully experienced. It's something that we're, we're, we're always going to be struggling with. Because dying to self and denying self is an ever-present challenge. At any moment, you're like, okay, I have this need, this desire. I want A, B, C, D. All right, I want it. 
I want it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Well, wait a minute. Scripture says I can't have it. Okay, I got to deny self and die die to self. Now, the desire, the want's still going to be there. You got to try to find some contentment because you're doing like it's it's a it's an ongoing battle. If it was just as simple as I drink of the living water and I never thirst again, or I eat and I never hunger again, well, then guess what? Then I wouldn't have that. The Christian life wouldn't be a struggle. Now I'm going to stop because this is a devotional message. I just want to present this to you. I'm going to read it one more time. John 4. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, talking about the water in a well, actual physical water, water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I think that's referring to salvation and the satisfaction that we gain from salvation is a satisfaction of we have eternal life and we're no longer condemned by the law and we are perfectly perfect and holy in the presence of Christ because of an imputed righteousness or in the presence of God because of an imputed righteousness. We never have to thirst for salvation again. We never have to thirst because under the law, you thirst. You thirst for a righteousness which you cannot obtain. You will never be satisfied under the law because you're condemned by it. You cannot ever, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be content, but there is, you'll never thirst or hunger again when come to Christ because now the law has been fulfilled on your behalf. I'm going to put forth that as a hypothesis. All right. You can let me know what you think. News. If at yahoo.com. That's news. If at yahoo.com. That's news. If at yahoo.com. I wish I could tell you that, hey, it's Friday night and I'm just going to stay here in this studio all night by myself. And all I'm going to do is listen to sermons and read my Bible and pray and praise. And that's it. And I'm going to be perfectly content. But I would be a liar. Because probably in about 10 minutes, I'll probably be sitting in front of my television watching something. And I may watch something. I may watch two or three things tonight. Who knows? I may do a number of things tonight. I wish I could tell you. No, 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 no. I have Christ. I, all, I don't need anything else. Now, you can say, well, that may not be that you need it, but you want it. But if I want it and don't get it, I don't, shouldn't really want it if I already got everything I need because all my, all, all, I have full satisfaction in Christ. I shouldn't have any other. My only want should be to do that, which is right here. Just, just dedicating myself to that. I've, I, in my Christian life, I've had great struggles with this. Because I've, I have struggled with this question. Look, wait a minute. It seems like Jesus says, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Okay, well then, if I love God supremely, right? If, if God's word, I should meditate on it day and night. It should be my food. It should be my treasure. I should desire God's word more than gold, silver, and then the honey and the honeycomb. That, it, that I should be, love God's law. I should treasure it. I should be memorizing. If, if, you, th- if you take all the scripture, if, I, if that is the, 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 the scripture, 
description of the Christian life. We'd basically be living our lives just serving God, not doing anything else. But I know that the reality is we don't love God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and we don't treasure God's word, and we don't hunger and thirst after these things. Therefore, those are laws that condemn us and show us our need of Christ. Christ has to do these things on our behalf because we always fall short of them. Not saying we shouldn't be pursuing it, but I think there's got to be some level of recognition. We're never going to come close to this, right? I don't know. You can tell me your thoughts. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. You have a great Friday evening, and I would love to get your feedback. And as you think and meditate on this, may God bless you as you give serious thought to, well, satisfaction in the life of a believer. God bless.